Santos's kick is lined up. That kick is good. He got it. They're going to give it off to Tyreek Hill. Little inside slash. Now left 40 yard line. Hill at midfield. Using the speed 40. Cuts it back 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. He's got 100 ways to beat you. Touchdown, Kansas City. Hello Chiefs Kingdom and welcome to another edition of the Arrowheads Abroad podcast which of course you can find on both iTunes and SoundCloud. As you've probably worked out by now, my name is not Brad Simcox, it is in fact Tom Childs, standing in as host for Brad while he's away on his holidays. So to replace Brad, we've called in the big guns. Not just Dave Barnett, but joining us yet again is Seth Kaiser from Arrowhead Pride. How are you doing Seth? I'm doing very well, how are you guys doing today? We're not bad. We're not bad. We're we're a bit sad. Brad's not here. Sure. Um, he's he's our host. He's the glue that holds it all together. So. Oh, um, absolutely. So so now it's just a matter of trying to survive at this point. Yeah, pretty. Oh yeah. Who knows what could happen now? This well, this could all fall to pieces very quickly. Well, you know, I've I've always been a fan of being a desperate resort by people, both in my dating life and now in podcasting. So I you know <laughs> I feel like I'm here for you guys in your hour of desperation. It's nothing new for me. So. Well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to take that, but yeah. um, we're I'm like not sure whether to feel insulted or yeah, so. we're like the last girl you can scroll on on Tinder. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, you've been you've been left at you've been left at the altar, and now you're desperate, and you turn to me, and you're welcome. <laughs> is what I'd like to think. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm what I like to call your last resort, and I'm okay with it. Have you um seen Wedding Crashers? I have seen I have seen Wedding Crashers. Yes. So you're like Will Ferrell's character with like, picks on the widows. Funas are insane. Oh no, this is that's terrible, man. I I really don't like what I've become during the process of this. That did not take long. <laughs> right. So obviously it's been a little while since we had you on. Um, yes. Three weeks, in fact. Last time you're here, we talked defense, but a lot has happened. In the time since, um, myself, Brad, and Dave, along with Tamba Harley, managed to break the internet. Yes, um, well done, you. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. I think um, training camp has opened. Yes. Um, everyone's getting excited, getting giddy over the first three days of practice. It, it's all looking very good. But more importantly, or most importantly, I should say, you've managed to get a blue tick verification from Twitter. Yeah, it it actually was kind of funny. I, uh, you know you get verified and it's kind of funny you actually start picking up followers faster and i actually want to like tweet something out obnoxious like you guys realize this is literally the exact same account it was one week ago yeah and now yeah, i have yeah. nothing i have nothing but now like when i tweet silly things i feel like oh man maybe i shouldn't do that like you know my mitch morse shtick where i talk about how much i love him and it's kind of disturbing well when i say stuff yeah. like that and then i see a blue check mark next to it i'm like man it looks like i'm reporting this and that's <laughs> and so I'm still trying to figure it all out. You know what it means to be important because I've never experienced I mean, that before. You, you have seen what your president tweets out on a regular basis, haven't you? I think hey, you're. Hey, you know what? You can't judge us based on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's just getting hacked a lot. Is probably what's happening there. I think that's guess. what everyone's hoping. At least. Yeah, yeah. All the hackage is going on. Well, here's the thing, honestly, and yeah, I mean, look, if his Twitter account got hacked, no one would know the difference. No one would be able. They'd just be like, oh, oh, yeah, Donald again. <laughs> yep, oh, yep, yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> you know, whatever it is he said. And so, yeah, that's fair enough. But yes, I, I got verified and. It, it is kind of nice because there is a fake Minnesota Chiefs fan account that someone set up years ago. And <laughs> was, yes, and it was, it was set up as a joke when I still kind of just did this as a hobby. Well, as this kind of became a little more of a side job and I started making some radio appearances and people started to know me a little bit more, I had people emailing me like maybe a less Twitter savvy people saying, I tried to find you on Twitter, but it doesn't make sense. You don't have like any followers and you haven't tweeted in four years. And I'm like, well, that's... <laughs> That's not that's me. The, that's that's yeah, the that's, unreal MNG fan. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's why my Twitter handle is at real MNG fan, not because I'm pretentious, but because I had to. Because someone took mine first, 
And so I actually, you know, that was one reason I wanted to get it done because it was keeping people from finding me after hearing me on the radio. And so I don't know. So yeah, now everything I say is weighty with importance and accurate, fortunately. Um, because again, the blue check mark, and again, you know, let's not think about the implications that that has for our president, you know, whatever it's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't apply to him for whatever reason, just to me. <laughs> well, I've actually just sent in a, um, application for a blue tick verification for the Arrowhead support account. Um, cool. I just thought, I thought I'd give it a go. You know, Arrowhead yeah. pride has them. They only have like 20 times the amount of followers of us. Let's, let's check yeah, it in anyway. They're only, they're only rolling <laughs> around at like 75,000 at this point. Yeah, give exactly. Take. Exactly. I'll, I'll give it a go. But, um, why not? Look, if they verified me, they'll verify anybody. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's rapidly becoming less and less distinguished over time. <laughs> and I'm happy to be a part of that. I remember like four years ago, if I got a retweet from someone with a blue tick, it was like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> um, now, if you do it, I don't think I'm going to be so happy about it. I'm not going to lie. Oh, well, that that hurts, but I'm, I'm glad you have more perspective, I guess. I, You know, you want to talk about getting excited about Twitter things. I will never forget, and he doesn't use social media anymore, so it doesn't matter anymore, but I'll never forget like two years ago, the day Eric Berry followed me on Twitter. I was oh, wow. just like... I went and I told my wife. I was so proud. I called my sister because she's a big Chiefs fan. I'm like, guess what? Eric Berry follows me on Twitter. And so then I asked my wife if it would be okay if I just like, you know, because at the time, you know, you couldn't DM anyone who wasn't following you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so would it be cool if I just like sent him a DM that just said, Eric Berry! <laughs> and she kind of looks at me. She's like, no, that, 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 that probably wouldn't be okay. I was like, oh. All right, I'll play it cool then. And so there used to be quite the thrill with the blue check marks, and now they're becoming a bit more ubiquitous. So, you know, what are you going to do? But I'm still happy to be part of, you know, how, how would you say, diluting the talent? I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, happy yeah. to be part of it. Yeah, poison in the well, I think. <laughs> another way to put it, right? <laughs> if, if Joe Flacco can be elite on the field, then you can be yeah. elite on Twitter. That's, that's I the can. Way I, I, I absolutely. I consider my Twitter game quite elite, mostly because <laughs> I do gifts. You know, if you took away gifts, I think like probably eighty percent of my quote unquote audience would stop following me. They don't care what I have to say. They just like that I put it into pictures and gifts. <laughs> and, you know, that's and, and I accept that. I'm okay with it. Pretty pictures is half the battle, right? It really is. You know, in in life as well as in football, blogging, writing, interneting. Yeah, as as anyone that's ever done any presentation for any work whatsoever, you you do a spreadsheet, but make it look pretty, mm -hmm. and everyone loves you. You do a spreadsheet that's got all the information in there, but looks boring. Nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. Nobody. Oh, cares. this spreadsheet. I I don't really know about these numbers. Yeah. But look <laughs> at the pretty colors, and it pops up. I've got a pie chart. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, people love pie charts. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Life lessons on the Arrowheads of Ball podcast. Uh, oh, were we going to talk about football? I'm sorry. <laughs> I I dragged us afield. We, we get can, there eventually. We it's, can carry on talking you know. about our favorite types of graphs and charts. Um, I'm not a busy man. I literally have nowhere else to be right now, so we can do this for as long as we want. Well, like I was saying before we went on, the longer I do this, the less time before I need to do a couple of lawyer things that I really don't feel like doing. And so, I mean, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm really okay with, you know. Have you seen the latest Game of Thrones episode? You know what? I have, actually. Okay, let's, let's, let's get to that in a little while. <laughs> let's um, let, let's leave, that, leave that for the end so it's nice and easy for Dave to edit out in case we go on for too long. That sounds good. Right, let's talk some football. Let's, let's mm. have the reason why we got you here. Um, right, yes. We're going to talk offense today. Last, uh, If you go back three weeks ago and listen to the episode when Seth came on last time, um, we went into depth on the defense and talked about how the defense is not going to take a step back in 2017, but actually how it's going to take a step forward and be even better. Absolutely. For, for the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl, um, everyone knows that the offense needs to improve. Obviously, in the offseason, we've seen yeah. the likes of Jeremy Macklin and Jamal Charles go. Yes. Um, so in a lot of people's eyes that aren't involved in the Chiefs or doesn't take notice of the Chiefs, they automatically assume that the Chiefs are going to take a bigger step back on offense and, are, again, are going to be the reason why the Chiefs cannot get over the hump, mainly looking at Alex Smith. So by mm -hmm. position by position, with Seth, Dave, and I, we are going to break this down and hopefully 
come up with a positive outlook and why we think <laughs> the Chiefs offense can be better in 2017 and hopefully be good enough to get us over the hump to the AFC Championship game hopefully the Super Bowl maybe fingers crossed glory with Clark Hunt Andy Reid and Super Bowl MVP Alex Smith up on that platform I mean you used the word positive there yeah. that's, that's, that's a bold statement whenever you're that talking is, Chiefs offense like, that is positive oof. that is that is that is very positive I like it if you if you've ever seen any sort of comment thread on any sort of post related to the Chiefs offense in the last five years, whoa, that that is, oh yeah, I think lots of swearing. I think the phrase uh, "garbage truck on fire" <laughs> well, is quite an apt description for that. You'll be pleased to know I've only had one drink, so I'm not drunk. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud here. Sure, so, sure. Let, it's got a nice buzz going on, yeah. Is that what that is? Exactly. It's, well, it's, what he didn't it's... say is that drink was 75 ounces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just downed an entire bottle of vodka. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Are you meant to use a glass? Like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's start up front. Let's start with the big guys. Um, yep. No new additions of note <clears throat> in the off-season, but mm-hmm. what we did do, we signed LTT to a new extension so we're looking at a similar sort of offensive line that we started with last year yep how much is continuity going to come into play early in the season when the o-line know each other from for a couple of seasons now we've obviously the two tackles have been there for at least a year the center mm-hmm. is set and it looks like we've got our guard sorted um in Eingel when healthy but ldt and possibly fulton yep. how well do you expect these guys to play in the coming year you know i have had i had the opportunity to review everyone except mitchell schwartz um from last season reviewing like four or five six games of them and you know charting wins losses and neutral plays kind of the same thing that we talked about last time i was on with regards to defensive players right yeah it's just the inverse and the the key with an offensive lineman is what's important isn't necessarily that they win i mean that's great if they win What's important is that they don't lose. And the reason for that is a a win by an offensive lineman, it doesn't guarantee a successful play, but a loss, it it can at times guarantee a doomed play, right? You know, if you have negative plays. Yep. If your guard lets someone burst through the line immediately, uh, it doesn't matter what everyone else does. Whereas even if your left tackle just completely destroys a pass rusher, it doesn't guarantee success. And so what I always look for is a loss percentage of under 10%. And what's interesting to me is the guys that I reviewed, except for Anger, all of them had that. And they actually had it by quite a bit. LDT played very well last year. Eric Fisher played pretty well himself. He's improved every year. And Mitch Morse played well as, as well, I guess. Um, Mitch Schwartz was actually early on in the season, you know, when he was gimping around on a, on a bad ankle, he was the weak link along the line as well as the guard spot to an extent. And, and I don't fault Schwartz for that. He was playing on a sprained ankle. He's a tough guy. And he still, in my opinion, was better than the backup would have been, but he was the one that was having problems early in the year. Later in the year when he was healthy and the line was a little more set, Zach Fulton was the weak spot, but overall the line played pretty well. And so continuity, I think, is going to be a big deal for them because you know what the guy next to you is going to do. You know that you can trust that guy. If you watch Eric Fisher's film from his second year when they had a revolving door at left guard, you could see him constantly putting his right hand up, trying to help the left guard because he never knew when that left guard was going to get destroyed. And it, it hurt him in pass protection because defensive players are too good, right? You can't split your focus. Yeah, and, yeah. especially and so, the pass rushers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So knowing what people are going to do, and Jeff Schwartz talks about this uh, on Twitter, that continuity is a big deal because there's trust there. They, you, you've gotten used to seeing how the other guy is going to move during a stunt. You know what they're good at and what they're not good at. You know what they're going to do before they do it. And because of that, you can be just a, a tenth of a second faster. And in the NFL, a tenth of a second is a huge deal. And so I have a lot, I have really high hopes for the offensive line health wise, you know, if they stay healthy, that they should be pretty good this year. Um, Parker Anger was a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Now, to be fair, I thought he was going to be horrible. Like, I was terrified when he won the yeah. starting job. Like, obviously, I know 
an issue I had with Anger going into the season was obviously size-wise. Mm-hmm. He didn't really match up, you know, against a lot of NFL tackles and guys right. that will be playing inside. He obviously needed to bulk up quite a lot, um, which we thought he was going to get the opportunity to do in his first year before he got thrown in there. Right. So with the injury, I, I haven't seen too much on him. I don't know how the sort of recoveries come from that in in terms of getting back on track from that. But is he is he looking on, on track for the season? You know, they keep saying that he is, um, that he's going to be all right for the season, but he hasn't been, he's just been rehabbing during training camp. Yeah. So he's been on the sidelines and Fulton has been splitting reps and Fulton actually hasn't been getting the majority of the first team reps. Um, how do I say his name? Weitzman, I believe it is. He's been seeing the majority of the first team reps. Do you think that's due diligence on, on Andy Reid's part or do you think at the moment the Chiefs just see this Weitzman as the be- the better player? Well, what's interesting is during OTAs, apparently they were splitting first team reps equally. And then you see the Chiefs sign this guy, this this unknown guy who's got good size. I think he's like 6'7", 320, big dude, tall for a guard. But yeah. you know, so so is Osamelli. I mean, so that that alone doesn't mean you're going to be bad. And so the, the you know so then they 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 extend his contract which is kind of an interesting thing for this unknown guy and then they come into training camp and they are not splitting snaps evenly anymore now you see the new guy getting more of them now part of that could be due diligence because they know what they have in Fulton on the other hand training camp unless you're having a legitimate position battle training camp from my understanding and I could be wrong here isn't really the time coaches like to experiment because they don't have that long to install offenses anymore, right? With the modern collective bargaining agreement, they just don't have that much time. They don't, yeah. they, you know, gone are the days of constant two-a-days. And so you really can't waste a lot of time fiddling around when you're, you know, if you're thinking, well, we're probably going to start Zach Fulton if, if, if anger can't go. You don't have a lot of time to fiddle around with this new guy. And so I think there's a legitimate competition there. And it doesn't help that Fulton... Fulton is a perfectly competent backup, but he he was definitely the weak spot on the line down the stretch last year, and it doesn't help him that he's different from everyone else along the line. He he doesn't have real quick feet. He doesn't get out into space real well. He's strong, but with the type of run of zone running scheme and the stretch plays that the Chiefs like to use and that they're best at and that everyone else is best at executing, it's unfortunate to have him out there because it limits your play options. How much... Do you think, so we're trying to, I don't want to be up on the guy, but how much do you reckon the playbook comes in to, ha- to help the offensive line when we're sure. to getting the ball quickly out of Alex Smith's hands? Because if, if you believe what you read on Pro Football Focus, and I, I enjoy a lot of what they do, but mm-hmm. like you, I have reservations over it, that they're saying that they're putting our Chiefs offensive line up there with the elite ones in terms of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't... I don't watch the Chiefs and Raiders and think, oh, Alex Smith has got as um, the same amount of time as Derek Carr. Derek Carr gets six, seven seconds a, a snap at least to throw the ball. Right. And the Chiefs do it slightly different. There, it's yep. the ball's out, three step drop, five step drop max. You don't really see Alex Smith take a, a full seven step. Um, do you think that the statistically wise that the offensive line is covered by the playbook? Um, I absolutely do, to an extent. Now, there's a, there's a few things here, though, because the, the playbook giveth and the playbook taketh away, all right? Um, mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. Alex Smith gets rid of the ball faster than almost any other quarterback in the NFL. And there are a lot of plays that there are set designs that allow the offensive line to, rather than worrying about, like you said, you don't see a lot of seven-step drops. And part of the reason for that is that doesn't fill in with Alex Smith's strengths. He, his strength isn't a full drop and post-read snaps and staying in the pocket, all that stuff. That's not necessarily what he's best at. And so it does help them to that extent. On the flip side of that, the Chiefs offensive line it just has five guys blocking more than almost any other line in the league, maybe more than any other line in the league. And what I mean by that is, you know, you don't see nearly as many tight ends staying in the block or uh, extra offensive linemen outside of like at the goal line. You don't see the the running backs chipping on their way out as often. They mostly they're more running routes or just staying back in pass protection. One really good exercise, you know, there's 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 you know people talk about uh, the Titans right tackle, 
as one of the best young right tackles in the league. Well, when you watch his film, and I'm not saying he's not a good player, he is, but when you watch his film, he gets a ton of help. He gets a tight end helping him constantly in pass protection. He actually, on a few snaps when the Chiefs played them, he had an, an entire, an, an extra offensive lineman helping him block Chris Jones, like an extra tackle on the edge. Yeah. And so, and so Andy Reid's offense does protect them to an extent there, but it also requires that they sit on an island, especially the tackles. Fisher and Schwartz have it tough. They are on an island constantly, no matter who they're up against. And that's a tough job. So I do think, I don't think they're one of the best in the league. I think their potential is to get to be a top 10 line this year. But the playbook does, to a certain extent, help with that. On the flip side of that, Alex Smith's pocket presence makes things a little bit tougher for them, too, in that he will sometimes create pressure. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll circle back around to that later, I think. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> We might have to record another episode for that one. Yeah, actually. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is right. bringing up Alex Smith controversial? I didn't know that. That's a uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So moving on. Um, let's talk backs. Uh, yep. Off-season additions. Well, off-season loss first. Obviously, we lost Jamal <clears throat> Charles. Um, sure. Who I've got a horrible feeling might have a good season in Denver. I'm really, really dreading that. But he's still not, not practicing. Let's not, depress, let's not depress ourselves. Let's. Yeah. There's. There's that positive side i suppose um yeah, I I feel I for wanna... him. yeah yeah yeah. Let's, yeah let's not get bummed out you're right <laughs> yeah let's 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 move on yeah, so um off-season additions we um signed cj spiller as a free agent mm-hmm. and of course we drafted kareem hunt in the third round so at the yep. moment we're sitting at cj spiller chikandrick west spencer Ware, kareem hunt and obviously anthony sherman how many running backs do you expect us to carry into game one I would be surprised if um, they did more than three. That's what they've traditionally done. Although they carried four for a time in certain circumstances. Um, I would just be surprised. You know, last year they had West and Ware. And quite often, if I recall, and then they would bring in Niall Davis occasionally too. But I don't think they even always had three running backs active every game day. I think they did most of them, but I can't recall. I, I guess it would surprise me if they if they kept more than three. Um, which is unfortunate because it sounds like they're all playing really well in camp. Um, but I, I'm thinking three. I've just wanted to put forward to you because obviously we know Hill, his role on special teams is going to be reduced this year. And mm-hmm. with Spiller being back there, who can handle returns, do you think that opens up the opportunity to possibly carry an extra back this year rather than what we have done previously? I think what I've been reading, um, I don't think Spiller's been one of the main guys they've been having out there with the the punt and kick squad, like the returning. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm sure his name could be in the mix, but I haven't seen a lot of that. It's been other names that I've seen. I think that's actually what's going to keep a role for DeAnthony Thomas on the roster. So, T- Tariq Hill's play from last season on special teams essentially keeps DeAnthony Thomas in a job. Um, mm-hmm. So, we're, we're saying we're keeping sausage. Anthony Sherman is staying. Spencer Ware is definitely in. Kareem Hunt is definitely in. Mm-hmm. Which one of Chikandrick West and CJ Spiller is going to be jobless, do you think, come week four or just after week four of the preseason game? You know, that's tough to say without seeing the preseason games because the problem with camp, you know, there, there's only live contact to an extent, and so you can't judge certain things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a sneaking suspicion that Spiller is gaining some ground. Um, mm-hmm. And the part of that is because you hear reports that he's looking real fast out there. Um, now, I've heard that West looks a little faster than he did last year, too, because he dropped some weight. Um, but, you know, you, you see a few videos, and, and Spiller's in there with Mahomes making some plays, and I don't know. And they also gave him some reps with the second team as opposed to just, you know, kind of being buried in the chart. And so you just hear his name a little more. And so I, I think Wes has the advantage of being a guy that they know and a, and a guy who seems to have something of a leadership position on the roster. Um, it seems like everyone loves him, seems like a, a great guy. Um, if you'll remember, you know, after the Titans game when Travis Kelsey was, was about to give a, an interview or about to do the, you know, the, the meet the press after the game, it was Chuck yeah. West who stood on a chair and said, hey, be smart, because he knew he was mad. Mm. Those are... those. 
Those are guys you want on the team. Yeah, I mean, you only have to go on, you know, Instagram and and Twitter to see how how tight knit those those two guys are. Right. Um, they're they're always hanging out and they they seem to get along quite well. Obviously, I think possibly part of the issue as well might be health with Spiller. You never quite know. Yes. If he can stay healthy, because he's flashed before, certainly in Buffalo to a lesser extent in New Orleans, but he's certainly shown ability before, but staying healthy has been such a an issue for him. And it's I think it's really hard to carry guys like that on a roster. Yes, going there, into there's the season. such a risk there. There's such a risk. And if you were going to take that risk, you might as well keep Jamal Charles around, you know? Um, if yeah, you take exactly. a flyer on a guy who lacks health. Okay, so... I think we're all in agreement there. I I do I am with you on the sense that I think it is closer than we than we believe right now. Um, but we can we can only see there's still a few weeks left of camp. There's still four preseason game. If CJ Spiller takes off and goes for 100 yards in a couple of games and a couple of TDs, then obviously the Chiefs are going to have something to think about, and maybe the possibility of carrying four four running backs will be there. Um, a position that might be at risk going going forward for um and in terms of quantities is tight end at the moment on the roster we've got ross travis demetrius harris the superstar that is travis kelsey and then gavin yes. escobar um again similar sort of question how many tight ends are we going to take into this take into the season i th- i think we will carry four um mm-hmm. i think reed likes his big guys um, they all seem like they can catch the ball. Okay, Harris has his issues every now and then. Um, so <laughs> I have a it's four. It's statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he's one of these guys that just does something brilliant. Like when um, we played the Broncos last year and we got that two-point conversion, like of all the guys that have lined up on, on the field, uh, he was the last one you wanted Alex Smith to throw the ball to. <laughs> and yeah. somehow, somehow he caught it. Um, I have us taking four. All four of those guys, and um, with yep. Escobar being the backup to Travis Kelsey, how do you see it going? I think that's probably how it shakes out based on what I know. Um, you know, it, Ross Travis really flashed in training camp last year, and he's doing it again this year. Um, apparently, he's bulked up a little, which would be a big deal because that guy was way too skinny last year. Um, he's he's athletic and he can catch, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, yeah, you got. I think they're going to keep four, like you said. Andy Reid loves his two tight end sets. I personally wish he loved them a little less, um, unless one of the second, unless the second tight end can flash more than than he did last year. Um, you know, I've heard good things about Escobar that he might be kind of like a a solid kind of guy that's okay at catching the ball and can be pretty reliable, and that would be great because we keep waiting for Demetrius Harris to take that athleticism and translate it into a good pass catching tight end. And it keeps not happening. And I've, I guess I've seen enough with regards to that. Good blocker though. Yeah. I, I say uh, he, he's for me, he's got his role. Yep. I don't think the ceilings as high as everyone wanted it to be a couple of years back. And absolutely. Yeah. He's got a nice niche little role and he's yeah probably not going to be the next superstar ex basketball tight end that, people right. were hoping but yeah it can still be a decent role player the Escobar one's interesting to me because there was quite a lot of buzz about him when he initially got drafted by the Cowboys yes um a lot of people seemed to be quite high on him and it was really I, if I remember correctly I seem to think he got off to a, a pretty decent start in Dallas um well, just, to stop you there, just to stop you Sorry. there, Dave, um, in terms of stats, I've done, just done a little bit of research quickly. Um, in a four years career at, with Dallas, he's had 30 receptions for eight touchdowns. So we're, we're not talking massive numbers here. Um, I've never, I can't remember watching him, to be honest, too much. With the I Cowboys. just remember him being a, a pretty stealthy red zone threat, as stealthy as a big tight end like that can be. But Mm-hmm. a big target like that obviously it comes into effect less in our offense because i don't think you'll you know smith isn't the type of guy that's gonna throw a ball up for a guy to go and 
to go and get. Right. So right. it's not going to probably play into effect quite the same um, for us. But I'd, I do think he'll be one to watch for sure because if he can provide a little little something that takes takes a little bit of the pressure off Kelsey, you know, because yep. at the minute in the middle of the field, you, teams are going to double double Kelsey and say, right, what can the guy on the other side do? What can, you know, the second right. tight end do? Can he can he do enough? So, yeah, that would be interesting to watch, I think. But, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting too much from that that second tight end position. And I think I think one reason that Harris is still around, like what we talked about, he's got a niche there. He's, he's a decent run blocker. Um, and I think that's something they like having around. The, the thing is, like you said, you need someone a little more reliable on that other side if you want to consistently use two tight end sets because otherwise you're tipping your hand before the play. If you've got a guy who's just not that dangerous as a pass catcher, it, it allows defensive coordinators to eliminate options. And the, the thing that Andy Reid seems to do to compensate for this is he calls drawn plays for his second tight end. And I think he does that to keep defenses honest, right, to force yeah. them to pay attention. Well, the problem is, you know, when you got a guy like Harris, the more tape that I went through when I was doing my offensive line and Alex Smith review, the more I was like, man, I forgot how many times Demetrius Harris either dropped a pass or made a poor play on the ball. And it, it happened way too often. And so if you can get even get like a not a great receiver, just a guy who's with a reliable set of hands, you're going to see an upgrade there because Andy Reid can scheme guys open. And and so especially like a number two tight end, right? That guy will get open yeah. a little bit because Andy Reid will scheme him open. So you just need a guy with a reliable set of hands. That's it. That is, you know, and so that's where I think, you know, Ross Travis, he's got a little bit of athleticism. But the problem is you also need a guy who can block. And Ross Travis could not yeah. block last year. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, I say uh, <laughs> that is the huge difference, right. isn't it? I think, you know, coming from the college game to – to the NFL is what tight ends are asked to block on a regular basis in the college game, you know, unless you, right. unless you're looking at a Stanford or an yeah, Iowa, like, or a, yeah, yeah, those, those are the teams that, yeah, those guys will have, but you know, 90% of the tight ends coming into the league now, they, they're just not asked to do it at all in college anymore. Right. So it's like, you know, it's such a, a massive, massive leap up, you know, you yep. even look at guys like Jimmy Graham, Yep. Well, he certainly improved on where he was when he came into the league. He's yes. No, he's no blocker. Right. He's not a guy that you necessarily want out there doing it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, as good as a pass catcher he is. Yeah, he he again, he's not he's not that all round guy. You know, like a Kelsey or a, a Gronk. You know, guys that can do both. So. It adds so much to the offense. It adds so much. Absolutely. And that's where I think Kelsey improved massively last year. Okay, obviously he got his stats in terms of pass catching. But as yep. a blocker, he looked like he enjoyed that part of the game a little bit more last year. Um, yep. The one run in particular against Denver where he just, I think it might have been Chris Harris, that he just completely and utterly destroyed and sent, sent Tyreek off for the 70-yard touchdown. Um, yep. In terms of Kelsey, how good is he? And how good can he be? Travis Kelsey could be a Hall of Fame player that people talk about in the same breath as Tony Gonzalez and how they'll one day talk about Rob Gronkowski. He's that good. He wow. when you re, when you review his film, he is always open. He cannot be covered. And I'm not I don't say that lightly, okay? I don't say that about what Tyreek Hill that did last year, although he had some impressive film. I never said that about Jeremy Macklin, even when Jeremy Macklin was doing real well. Travis Kelsey cannot be covered one-on-one. -on -one. Cannot. Maybe like an Aqib Talib or like one of the absolute elite corners in the NFL. But even then, he wins as much as he loses. He is just impossible. I've, I've, I've got dozens of gifts over time on Twitter demonstrating him just wrecking corners and wrecking safeties. Teams don't even try to put linebackers on him anymore because that's just stupid. Asking <laughs> for trouble. <laughs> it, it really is because, I mean, he just all he has to do is just run a simple crosser and there's not a tight end in the league outside of Keekly that can keep up with him. Um, and that's what makes Keekly such a unique player, you know, that he can actually, you know, run with a guy like Kelsey. But, I mean, he just he, – he is unbelievable. He is – I mean, when, when you talk about, and this isn't just me saying this as like a homer or a fan, like if you look at like when Andy Benoit is breaking down tape, 
he, he says Travis Kelsey is one of the toughest covers in the league. Like, forget just tight ends. Tight ends, he's, yeah. he's talking total. He is in that rarefied air of, like, always open where, like, Antonio Brown is. Like, a guy like that. And the advantage Kelsey has is he's also not too bad at uh, at, at going up and snatching the ball and, and coming down with it when it's contested, too, because he's a big boy. And so, I mean, it just he, – he's, he's, he's so quick for a guy his size that he can pull off moves – you know, inside-outside combo routes that, that other guys, tight ends, can't do. Gronk cannot run the routes Kelsey can run. But Kelsey can run the routes Gronk can run. Now, Gronk is better at high-pointing the ball. and He's a much more physical guy. Yeah. But I'm telling you, the, the, the gap between Kelsey and Gronk last year, even had Gronk stayed healthy, it narrowed considerably. And there, are, I'm not the only one saying stuff like this. And now, of course, every time, you know, a national analyst says something like that, everyone's like, no way, Gronk's the best, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch them both play, because the, the simple fact of the matter is Gronk has Tom Brady throwing him the ball. Yeah. And I like, <laughs> I like Alex Smith just fine, but he's not Tom Brady. And, I mean, Kelsey is ridiculous. He, and so I, I know I'm sitting here going on and on about him, but I cannot overemphasize how often he is open. He, he just he, – he wrecks coverages. I hope they target him 150 times this year or 175. The the offense yeah. should revolve around him. I see, one of my favorite routes I think Kelsey runs is he runs that little fake corner post that yep. I've see, seen him run it in the red zone quite a bit, and it just is impossible, absolutely yep. impossible for guys to cover. Yep. He just sells that route so well outside, and guys just can't hang with him, and it's... Honestly, I think that's the one that stands out to me the most because it is he's just so quick. Yep. If Grant can't stay healthy, for me, Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. And Absolutely. I just hope the stupid stuff can yes. sort of be left. Yeah. yeah, work itself out. He he he's a guy who cares a ton about winning. He's obviously but he's kind of an emotional guy and that's great for a while, but you've got to be able to keep a lid on that kind of thing. And what I, well, the reason I have faith in Kelsey to do so is because it's obvious when you watch him how hard he's worked to become a better player. And so when a guy's worked that hard, that tells me he cares a great deal. And as he gets older, I mean, because what is he at this point? Probably 26? Mm-hmm. I mean, at this, as you get a little older, you're going to naturally become a little better at keeping a lid on it when you're upset. And so, that, like you said, those stupid incidents, because that playoff penalty was a rough one, too. The only reason the Chiefs still scored that drive is because of an incredible play thereafter by, by Macklin and Smith. And he almost cost yep. the team points there. And so, uh, if he works on that, and the, the other thing is he, he still doesn't always watch the ball into his hands because he's thinking about yards after catch, and it results in a couple of boneheaded mm-hmm. drops every year. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I was going to say, I think if there's one guy on the team that I can forgive for that, it's it's yeah. Kelsey, though, I oh, think, absolutely. out of, of anyone. You know, it fr- don't get me wrong, it frustrates me when I see those drops as well, but the amount of stick he gets for that sort of stuff absolutely. just seems totally overblown for the, the amount that it actually happens. Oh, absolutely. And thankfully, the fumbles have gone now from the early parts of yep. his career. Um, he seems to have... Um, got that out of his game yep right moving on we're obviously on a high from tight ends let's go to the position which is probably the one we can all agree we're the least sure about moving in to 2017 the wide receivers this group is young um Tariq Hill Albert Wilson Chris Conley uh Jehu Jesson um Sartavius Jones and Demarcus Robinson are the guys that are standing out at the moment. Who from this group outside of Tyreek Hill do you want to stand up and be counted going forward into the season? Um, the guy that I have the most confidence in is Chris Conley. Um, I did a film review of him uh, probably three weeks ago or so. I watched six or seven games, including games against like the Broncos and the Chargers and good, good corners. And, you know, it was just kind of tracking how often he created separation um, kind of just some of the stuff that he did well. And, you know, when, when you're looking at wide receivers, it's kind of a similar thing and it's kind of, you can view it as a win or a loss. Did you get separation versus man coverage or did you find the open hole in the zone? Right. And like, you know, obviously if, if your route takes you to a place where you're covered in a zone, that's not on the wide receiver. 
because you can't just break off your routes yeah. constantly as a pro. And so it, that is frustrating for me. I've actually had people say, like, you know, they wish that he would do this or do that sometimes. And I'm like, well, that's not how football works. You can't, you can't ad-lib in football usually until it's time to do, like, a scramble drill if the quarterback's under pressure. Until, in, until then, you're going to hurt the offense way more than you're going to help it by ad-libbing because that's how picks get thrown. And so Conley, what I like about him, he he's a different player than I expected, and I wrote about this. In his second year, he had clearly put on a little bit of muscle. He He's not quick. And because he's not quick, he doesn't get separation as much as I'd like. He's got good deep speed, but he's just not that quick in and out of breaks. Where he wins is at the catch point. He um, He's really good at boxing out defenders and snatching the ball out of the air. And that's why if you watch throughout the year – Three or four times, he made just these amazing catches, like at the end of the half or on a third or fourth down, where like on the sideline, he just snatched the ball there despite great coverage. And so he can really win at the catch point. He's got very strong hands, and his physicality really improved last year. He was really able to shrug off press coverage, which bothered him his rookie year, and he actually became the guy initiating the contact. The player comparison that I actually had, and it surprised me, was he kind of reminded me a little bit of the way Dwayne Bow played. Do you know what? I was literally about to say that. <laughs> Damn you, Seth. You Sorry. stole my moment. <laughs> I was about to say about like the lack of speed, but strong hand strength. I was about to say, oh, it reminds me of Dwayne Bowe, like between 2009 and 2012 type time. Yep. And then you go ahead and steal I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> but that's And it's not a perfect comparison, but it's, it's one no. of the closer ones I could find, and that surprised me because I think we were all thinking he'd be more like an AJ Green prototype. Not AJ Green, well, I but think a prototype. That's the thing. If people just looked at his combine stats and they see his forty time and his broad jump and his vertical leap, right? Guys see those, you know, measurements and they go, "Holy crap, that guy's fast! He can, you know, he can do yep. everything." But it always seems to me that Conley comes into the game a little bit more when the Chiefs are pressured to throw the ball downfield a little bit because Smith. Well, certainly maybe not as conservative when he first came to Kansas City isn't one for you know that's notorious for throwing into tight windows right yeah I get I get what you're saying because if you look at the Chris Conley's probably arguably his best game from last season is probably the the late night defeat to the Steelers in week four when we just got absolutely turned over if I remember rightly Seth you probably know a bit more than, than I do obviously doing cool. film review more recently if I remember rightly I, I think it was him and Tyreek Hill that were the only two players that really stood out in that game yeah. is, is that more of what Dave's saying because we were down early because we were so far behind and the ball had to come out is that where Chris Connolly can excel you know I, I couldn't say for sure why they didn't go his way more often in other circumstances I think they should have based on what I watched I would have liked to have seen him absorb some of the other targets certain other receivers got um, I think for him, I think where he's going to excel if they use him this way is going to be as kind of that possession receiver, a guy that can get you first downs, a guy who's open even when he's not open. But like you said, that's not Alex Smith's game. It's just not. It's it, That's not going to change now. He's been in the league like 13 years. He's mm-hmm. not going to suddenly become a guy that tests tight windows. And so I, I think Conley will take what, – what I appreciate about Conley – is his film from last year was so much better than his film from his rookie year. And anytime you see that kind of dramatic improvement from year one to year two, you got to think, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And so if he, if, he, if he tidies up his footwork, that lack of quickness won't hurt him quite as much. But I think mostly what you're going to have in him, he's going to be the possession receiver. Um, I think he'll probably be in the receiving game probably the third or fourth option the majority of the time, though. Okay, let's go to option number two, because, or option number three, because we know Travis Kelsey will likely be first read. Yep. Let's go to the second guy, Tyreek Hill. Yep. This guy, he's probably the most exciting player we've had come out of the draft in the last few years. I know like Marcus Peters come and play very well. Obviously, we've got Patrick Mahomes. Everyone's excited about that. But Tyreek Hill's potential is scary. Like, yes. If if we were in a bigger market, if if Tyreek Hill was playing in New York, if Tyreek Hill was playing in um, L.A. or in Chicago, and if Tyreek Hill didn't have his background issues, yep, we're talking Odell Beckham esque attention here. Yeah. Based on his rookie it. season. I could see it. 
how much of a step up is he going to take in the offense? How much of a bigger role is he going to take in the offense? And what's his role going to be in terms of special teams now? Well, what they what Reed said when they released Macklin, which I still disagree with. I wish they hadn't have done it, but they said that Hill was going to get the first shot at Z receiver, which um, for lack of I don't mean to whatever, but you know the Z receiver in Andy Reid's West Coast mm-hmm. offense is essentially a guy that you move around everywhere and is generally speaking going to be, you know, you can't really call him the number one wide receiver, but he's going to be the primary option on a lot of plays and move him all over the field, inside, outside. I personally prefer Tyreek Hill outside as opposed to the slot because it gives him a chance to 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 drag safeties deep a little more easily. But anyway, um, Hill. What I, what I did with him, his film was kind of tough to review because early on, most of his snaps were gadget snaps, you know, mm-hmm. just turning sideways and waiting for the ball to get to him. And that doesn't tell you anything yeah. about him as a receiver. But as the year went along, they, they started using him more and more and more. You started to see what he was like as a, as a running, you know, your curls and your posts and your ins and your outs and kind of your more basic wide receiver routes. And what I found is, I mean, not only is he ridiculously fast and everyone knows it, he's quick. And he can get in and out of breaks just like lightning. And he's also really tough to bring down after the catch because he's just so shifty and he's got good vision. And he's a little stronger than you'd think at a guy his size. When you look at him, you know, he's listed at 5'10". I don't think he's I, – I think I remember the combine. He was more like 5'8 and a half or something. He's built thick, more like a Steve Smith build than a, you know, a D'Anthony Thomas build, right? Because that's who everyone compared him to coming in. And – so he's got those skills, that physical ability. He runs better routes than you think. And Marcus Peters, actually, I'm sure you guys saw this, just was talking about him saying people think he's just this fast guy, but he's gotten good technically too. And he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing and how to set up routes. And then the final thing that I think, I mean, his hands, I mean, man, they've been showing video from camp. And you, and he didn't just do it in camp. He did it last year under fire. He is able to, to make tough catches and contested catches. Yeah. He's got good hands. Yeah, two in particular that stick out to me was Chicago in the preseason when he had to come back and get the ball. Yep. And obviously the one against the Saints, which was when he beat the guy deep and used one hand left-handed um, yeah. to catch the ball. So he certainly doesn't have any problems in, in that department. Right. Um, what's a good target for him yards-wise then? What what we expect? Say we get 1,200, 1,200 11, 11, 1, out of Travis Kelsey. Say we get a few hundred out of the backs. What do we want out of Tyreek Hill? What sort of wide receiver are we looking at in around the league that he can b- have similar sort of numbers to? I would say in the Chiefs offense that we've seen thus far, he's probably capped out at around 1,100 yards. Um, and that, that's simply... Now, here again, they're going to use him differently than they use Jeremy Macklin because while Jeremy Macklin was the Z receiver and he was a decent deep threat, he's not the kind of deep threat that Tyreek Hill is. And so... You know, the, the thing with that is if you just hit a couple of those in a game, suddenly you're talking about a 150-yard game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that raises his ceiling, but I just can't think that a wide receiver, no matter how talented, is going to put up huge numbers in the Chiefs offense as we've seen it. Now, they sound really excited about him, and they sound really eager to get him the ball. And so maybe I end up dead wrong and he just goes off. But I think the ceiling is probably 1,100 yards or so with, with multiple touchdowns. Um, but I think, honestly, I think his ceiling as a receiver, based on what I've seen, and as a rookie, the type of routes he was running when they finally started trusting him more and how good he looked doing it, I think his ceiling as a receiver is, is literally a, a, a top five receiver in the NFL, not just Amazing. gadget type. I think I think he has the potential to be someone's Antonio Brown. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I just I just was gonna say, like, how much do you think, or do you expect that we'll use him on those gadget plays this year? Because obviously that was, like you mentioned, something early in the year we we wanted mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. get him in the ball in the using those gadget type plays. How much do you expect to see him line up, say, in a backfield this sure. year? Andy Reid loves forcing defensive coordinators and defensive players to make decisions. Um, he loves creating mismatches. And one way you create a mismatch and mess with the defense's standard setup is by putting Tyreek Hill in the backfield. Because normally, a player in the backfield 
is assigned a linebacker in coverage mm-hmm. if it's man. And even if it's zone, the linebackers are the ones with their eyes on them. Well, when it's Tyreek Hill, you can't do that because if he has time to get out of the backfield, that would just be ridiculous. And you really can't do it with a safety either because most safeties in the NFL outside of like your Eric Berry or your Ron Parker, they're not going to be close to fast enough to even make a good showing there. And so I think he'll continue to line up in the backfield occasionally just because it lines up with what Andy Reid likes to do. He likes to create mismatches. And plus, a lot of the stuff that Andy Reid likes to do with Tyreek Hill isn't even necessarily for the sake of the play, but it's for the sake of revealing what the defense is going to do. So if you shift him into the backfield, you can tell how the defense responds, what type of coverage they're in. And that's incredibly valuable with a cerebral quarterback like Alex Smith because then he knows what routes are going to win. And so I think they still continue to line him up. And then the final thing, you know, those potential – they're going to keep doing jet sweeps with him just because it opens up the running offense and because it forces the defense to, to take a step right when they should be stepping left. So I think they'll keep doing it. They didn't necessarily cut down on the gadgetry with him as the year went along. They just added more to it. And so I'm guessing that's what you'll see more and more of is, you know, he'll be playing kind of primary Z receiver role, but they'll also keep motioning him in and out. And so it'll be in addition to, not in lieu of, I think. Um, with regards to special teams, they keep saying they're going to try to be smart and all that kind of stuff. I'm guessing, you know, they have a perfectly good returner in DeAnthony Thomas. And so is he as electric as Hill? No. My hope is they kind of. My hope is they at least think about keeping Hill in on punt returns, just because that can change so much the dynamic of the game. Because teams aren't yep. going to punt to him; they're going to they're going to punt out of bounds, and you're going to buy yourself ten free yards. Right. Overreaction time. Mm. You ready for this, Seth? Oh man, I was born ready. Right. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Two oh, best quarterback in the NFL. Wait, what? In camp. Oh sure. Was the greatest two minute drill. Since Joe Montana in Denver in 1994. Oh, absolutely. Fact, Fact. or fiction. Oh, <laughs> what you guys, what you need to understand is I wrote that night, I wrote like a 1,500-word article breaking down that dri- that drive. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I have a problem. <laughs> I, I have an issue. I'm telling you. When they traded for KPL, I had an article out like an hour and a half later, and people were like, what is wrong with this? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I enjoy this. And it, when you're in your own boss, you can do whatever you want during the day. I had to do lawyer work that night, but what are you going to do? Um, but I would say, I mean, you know, you know, obviously you're joking around, but here's what I would say with regard to that. I mean, look, with the caveat that you can't read too much into anything, it wasn't full contact, wasn't full pads. That changes a ton. Yeah. What he showed was was the ability to to throw a receiver open, which is what he did with Ross Travis. Mm-hmm. He Travis wasn't he, he he helped Travis create separation by by leading him inside with the first big throw. And anyone who's listening, I'm sure, has watched that drive and drooled all over it. Um, he, he demonstrated his arm talent. He demonstrated his ability to throw someone open. And he, even though he had to loft the ball over a, an outstretched linebacker's hand, he still put good velocity on it, which is not easy to do. When I first saw it because of the angle and because of how quickly the ball got to Travis, I thought it was like maybe like a 10, 15-yard pass. And then I kind of looked. I was like, that was like 25, 30 yards in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of velocity, I, there's just no substitute for it. And so, and then, you know, on the other plays, you know, he just, he demonstrated he'll move around the pocket and he'll move to the correct place. And he's going to be one of those guys where it's almost worse when you put him under pressure unless you bring him down immediately. You know, like that feeling you get when you're playing the Packers or when you're playing the Steelers? It's always the Steelers against Big Ben. Yeah, like, you know that feeling, that sinking feeling you get? Like, if they get a sack, great. You know that sinking feeling you get where they miss on a sack and he starts moving around a little? And you're like, oh, no, oh, no, Lord, please, no, 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 no. And then it's a completion. Yeah. He has that to where it's almost worse for the defense. And that that does something to pass rushers' heads. I mean, you can't just come screaming around the corner because if you're not careful, he's going to – I mean, that last play of the drive, that touchdown – that was instant pressure from both edges. By the way, really worried about our backup left tackle and right tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Oh, man. You watch that and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Because, That's I mean, they were getting healthy. <laughs> they were getting worked over. But anyway, it was immediate pressure from the left. 
and then a little bit deeper pressure from the right. And Mahomes, without looking to his right, he didn't just step up in the pocket because that would have allowed the guy rushing from, from, the, from the right side to loop around and get him. He knew to run left, to, out, to outrun both pressure. And that's something you either can do or you can't. There's no amount yeah. of coaching that can, that can teach pocket presence. There just isn't, at least not that I've seen. It's either something you, you're good at or you're not, and he's good at it. Well, even a vet like Alex Smith, for yep. me, doesn't have... He, oh, everyone he, calls him a smart quarterback, but pocket presence, he doesn't really seem to have much. It uh, massively. If he, if he did have it, he would be a much better quarterback. Oh, he would. It's his, primary, it's his primary weakness. And look, I like Alex Smith. I'm on record saying I think he's a decent quarterback with certain strengths and certain weaknesses. But his pocket presence is, is fairly poor most of the time. He has flashes, but all NFL quarterbacks have flashes. Um, and so that, that's his primary weakness, and it happens to be one of Mahomes' primary strengths. And here's what I would say. That's a rare strength. When I, when I say Alex Smith doesn't have good pocket presence, that doesn't put him necessarily in bad company. I would say there's like 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, if that, that I think have good pocket presence. And hopefully we have one of them. <laughs> and exactly. He demonstrates the ability. You know, If you guys never have, watch him against LSU in 2015, where his team was just getting annihilated all around him because that defense was like made up of all future early draft picks. He is able to just move around and get things done. And that's a terrifying quarterback to face. And we experience that as Chiefs fans because – it just it buys the receivers an extra three or four seconds to get open, and he just he does it right. He keeps his eyes up, and because he keeps his eyes up, and he's always threatening to throw. That's how he scored a touchdown in that two minute drill because he he deked out the corner and convinced him he was going to throw it, and then just sauntered yeah, into he the has end to zone. Stay with his man, right? Whereas the corner had that been Alex, and again I like Alex. I like his running ability. Had that been Alex, the corner probably would have bailed and closed on Alex. I guess the big thing is, do we? see Mahomes putting any sort of pressure on Smith this year if the Chiefs don't get off to a particularly good start because this schedule is is brutal this yep. year um there's no two ways about it until you get to sort of eases up on the back end a little bit but up until sort of late October early November it's you know, about as tough a schedule as you could ask for. Yeah. Do you think Andy Reid seriously considers it should the Chiefs look in trouble earlier in the season? I think what you see as a possibility from Andy Reid is going to depend not really on the record. It's not really going to depend on Alex Smith, barring Alex Smith like playing just lights out football. I think it's going to depend on Patrick Mahomes. If Reed and I've said this from the beginning, and I've had people think I'm crazy, but now, of course, the training camp starting, the hype train starting up. I've said from the beginning, I've always thought there's about a 10 to 15 percent chance that Mahomes beats Smith out during training camp in preseason. Um, now, do I again? 10 to 15 percent is not a high likelihood, right? <laughs> but the possibility is there, and everyone else has been like, "Well, no, there's no way, absolutely couldn't happen." I said, "Well, okay, fair enough." Um, I don't think Reed seems like the type of coach that would just because the season isn't going particularly well unless they were statistically eliminated from the playoffs would go to the young guy unless the quarterback was playing really badly and even then I just that doesn't seem to be the type of reaction he would have Reed always seems to think the answer to everything is to fix his scheme and so I don't see him doing that if just because the team is is struggling a bit I would be surprised yeah. if he made a, a mid-season change once everything's set up. Um, now, again, you know, let's say, you know, it ends up being a rougher season than a lot of us think it'll be, and the Chiefs are, you know, you know, four and four and eight or something like that, and they're pretty much done. You know, then do you throw do you throw do you throw the guy in? Because here's the problem with doing that. You're trying to teach someone good habits. And throwing them in in the middle of a lost season when everyone else is down and discouraged. and You know what I mean? Is that yeah. how you want to start a guy off? Because everyone's so worried about ruining Mahomes. And so if you're going to worry about it, throwing him in at the beginning of the season, you got to worry about it mentally there. Now, to be fair, Mahomes has been part of losing teams, so I don't think that would break him. But it's worth thinking about. I personally, I think, I still think there's a chance. I really do. 
Now, from the sounds of it, Alex Smith has been like destroyer of worlds during training camp. So, but to be fair, he's always played well in training camp. Yeah, I remember the I remember the buzz a year or two ago. Yep, about last year in particular. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna throw the ball downfield more. We're gonna open yep. it up. Chiefs yep. are gonna score thirty points a game, and we all know what happened on offense for the rest of the season. It, Absolutely. Well, and even last year, remember last year in preseason, the offense early on, we were like, "Holy smokes!" Like this looks really good, and then the season began and it was kind of same old, same old. I mean, they were anemic against the Chargers in the first half. Then, of course, they kind of came on in the second half. That game was wild. Um, <laughs> but overall, the offense kind of was what it always had been. Um, now, Alex Smith has never played with someone like Tyreek Hill, or even close, and so maybe that'll be enough to finally shatter all the stuff that we've seen. The chances of that happening are not very good. I think there's a good chance, though, that you see the best Alex Smith you've seen because of Tyreek Hill, because of the improved pass pro, because of Kelsey's presence, and because he's getting pushed a bit. You know, I think he knows, regardless of what happens with Mahomes this year, unless Mahomes is just terrible, Alex has to know this is his last year. So this is essentially a contract season. Well, it's just going to lead off what you said there. Um, Alex Smith's best year of his career was the year of he got injured um yep. 2011 when he got short made short by concussions um and obviously Colin Kaepernick come in and the rest is history right um obviously during that time he had a young player on his back as it were just waiting in the winds with that added pressure is Alex Smith going to open out is Alex Smith looking for a Super Bowl win the Chiefs or is he thinking next year I need to go to a new team. I need to show the NFL that I can actually lead an offense and lead teams to winning games as opposed to just being conservative and letting the defense right. do it all. Well, either one of those attitudes might do the Chiefs a lot of good. I don't think I, I don't think Alex is going to change who he is completely, like we said earlier. He's in for 13 years. He's not going to suddenly become Captain Chuckett. And he shouldn't. He's not good at it. That's not his forte. He doesn't have the arm strength to consistently push the ball down the field with accuracy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he can't ever do it, but usually that's why he's he's often underthrowing or overthrowing deep passes because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the arm strength to just kind of you know flick it in there. And so I do think, though, again, with someone like Hill, you can throw the ball up there a little more and let him just run underneath it. Um, and so I do think with him in a contract year, he's, he's going to be sitting there thinking to himself, if he has a year like he did last year, there will be demand for him in the open market, but not a ton, especially if it ends like that. Now, if he has a year like he had his first year with the Chiefs, where thing he was, you know, things went a little better throughout the year, and he ended on a strong note against Indianapolis, although the obviously the game itself was a disaster. But you know, then that because can you imagine had Alex Smith been a free agent after that? There would have been a lot of demand yeah. because I mean he he was slinging it against Indy, yeah. And so I think he I mean he's a smart guy. He I think he feels like he's got a lot of football ahead of him. And so I you know he doesn't seem like a guy that the pressure is going to negatively affect him. Um, I I think you'll see the best version of him. Um, now that said, I don't think barring him morphing into like we're talking elite, I don't think it matters how Alex Smith plays this year. If Patrick Mahomes is ready next year, he's playing because Agreed. you you, you got to play. You yeah. got to save seventeen million dollars. Unless again, if Alex Smith morphs into you know Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees this next year, well then you have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. As much as that would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, I'd be great. You no, know, I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably play a little bit cautious and say <laughs> that's probably not gonna happen over over the course of uh, a year. But um, I do think yeah. Certainly for me, because I remember when Mahomes got drafted, I guess the talk was very much like this seemed to be a, a a sort of a red shirt year. He will sit, he will learn, and he'll come in prepared next year. But yeah, the, this I say, as little as a chance there may be, there definitely seems to be some talk there, and it certainly will be interesting to watch maybe over the next few weeks. I have not been this excited for a first preseason game ever. <laughs> I am so excited. So, I mean, it'll be cool to see. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if he keeps getting good reports out of camp, I think unless he's like pulls like full Russell Wilson in his rookie year, I think people are going to be mm-hmm. disappointed. 
in that first preseason game. You know, because they're going to expect him to come in and dominate. It's a marathon, not a sprint, people. Um, we're in yes. it for the long haul. Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the future. One final question, Seth. One word yeah. answer. Chiefs offense, better or worse than 2016? Uh, oh. One word. <laughs> Push. <laughs> um, um, better. Better. That's what I want to hear, Dave. One word. <laughs> Equal. That's not I'm fair. I better. wasn't allowed to do equal. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm I going better. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. Um, we've kept Seth a lot longer than we said we would. Um, <laughs> we said we'd only, we could only afford to rent him for 10 minutes, and we've had him for like an hour and a half now. So we really need to let him go because all your membership money is is leaving quite quickly. Um, yeah. thanks, again <laughs> yes. to, thanks again to Seth for um, joining us. Thank you as ever, Dave, for being with me. Um, Thank you to Brad for letting me have the opportunity to host a podcast. I can't say I've enjoyed it. (laughs) Come back (laughs) next week, Brad, please. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Seth. Uh, Thank you very much, and we hope to speak to you again soon. I hope so too, guys. Thanks again for having me. Thank you, Chiefs Kingdom, for tuning in and listening. Remember, you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. Whilst you're there, please leave us a review and maybe hit the subscribe button as well. Um, We'd like to hear your comments. If you're enjoying the show, if you're not enjoying the show, whether you want me to talk less, Dave to talk more, I doubt that, or Brad to talk more, I doubt even more. Uh, (laughs) Just please just just leave the comments. Um, So for now, I'll say goodbye and uh, we'll speak to you next week.